Welcome to another episode of Where in the Folk. I am Reed. This is Cecil, and we have got Tully with us. Welcome to part two of our look into the serial killer Samuel Little. Samuel Little. Not to be confused with his last name, but he was a big old fella. He had mitts on him. He was a. How tall was he? I don't know how tall he was, but. Apparently, he was a pretty good boxer in these reformatory schools and stuff. He was like, what they what would they say? Like he wasn't like professional, but he was like he's a badass. Pro. Didn't they speculate he fought in prison too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something they didn't. Well, again, you know, um, majority of things we know come from the man himself. So sometimes people that are like this tend to embellish on things. Um, I'm slightly, I'm slightly psychopathic and I embellish things a lot. Some people would call them lies. Hi, I'm schizophrenic <laughs> and so am I. Some people would call it lying, but you know, I call it embellishment. Throwing out a yarn. <laughs> it used to be called a tall tale. Have you ever watched that movie, Tall Tale, the Disney movie? Maybe. Patrick, Patrick Swayze played Pace. Pecos Pete or whatever. No, I haven't seen that one. It's a good one. It's a old one. It's got a Paul Bunyan and the blue ox in it. And, um, babe and John Henry. It was a good movie. Yeah. It seems like I do remember that. It's a good little kids movie is what it is. And I was always infatuated with all those old tall tales. So when that came out, I was definitely all over that. Back to part two. (laughs) So where we left off, if you didn't watch or listen, um, Samuel Little's now been living with his mother, who I guess they reconciled or something down there in Florida, where he was uh, working in a cemetery as some kind of worker. We don't know exactly what he was. Uh, he also claimed to be an ambulance attendant, and he went from being a vagrant to a full-blown murderer. 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 Killer. The killings began on New Year's Eve, 1970. When Little met a woman by the name of Mary Jo Brosley in North Miami Beach at a bar. So Samuel apparently had a charm about him and that so and uh had some of the blue eyes you've ever seen, apparently, is what I've read. Yeah, I mean I saw a couple of videos like his uh trial depositions. He's got blue eyes. I mean like beautiful blue eyes. Blue. That's pretty rare. Yep. Yes, it is. So Mary so Mary was immediately drawn to him. Um, and you know, wanted a little nightcap as you will, when you're hanging out at a bar and meet somebody that you're into. Um, so Mary had recently ran away from her home state of Massachusetts, citing issues with her family over her occasional partaking of the spirits after revealing to little that she was reported missing in her home state in June of 1970, little seen opportunity, you know, this young lady who had been in town less than half a year. I'm really far from home. Nobody knows where she's at. After the clock struck 12 and the new year had begun, Little and Mary made their way out of the bar. At this time, they traveled to a secluded spot in the Everglades. Things got a little hot, and Mary climbed over in Little's lap. While they were getting into the moment, uh, Little wrapped his hands around Mary's neck. This is when the grip started to get a little tighter, a little tighter, and a little tighter until he was officially strangling her and this is when he actually murdered mary joe brosley 
So he left her in a shallow grave, and she was discovered 28 days later. She was unidentifiable at the time. Now, how in the world did it take them 47 years to figure out who that was? Because she was from out of town. Nobody really knew who she was. Um, but, and, you know, being buried in a shallow grave in the grave in the Everglades, a swamp, water, bugs. Well, you think it'd be, it, well, I guess what I'm saying is it would need to be all or nothing. Like either they figure out who it is or they never figure out who it is. Why did they figure it out in 2017? They finally pulled the dental records. I was getting ready to say that. Yeah. Cause. I didn't know that part, but I was going to say dental records. So I believe that this is one that he confessed to afterwards, too. So they probably finally pulled dental records and compared to down there. That makes more sense. Wasn't this after? This was after he got caught. This was. Yeah. Him. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these. Most of these are after. Were not cracked and solved until he started confessing to. Yeah, him. exactly. So, um. After this, he began traveling more wildly, you know, going back and forth all over the Midwest. Uh, before 1971 was over, by accounts set forth by Little, two two more women lost their lives at the hands of Little. We only have his confession and sketches to rely on. A woman by the name of Linda. That's my aunt's name, Linda. Linda, do you want to dance? Yeah, a 22-year-old black female. So I couldn't really find much else about her last moments, just that, you know, he killed her. A lot of the people that we'll be talking about in the deaths, unfortunately, there's very little information except he confessed and they pretty much died the same way he, for the most part. Yeah, he was a strangler. He was a strangler. Uh, he also talked about meeting an attractive 18 or 19-year-old transgender black woman in Miami, Florida um, at yet another pool bar named The Pool Place. Pool Palace. Pool Palace. Pool yeah. Palace. He remembers her name to be Mary Ann or Mary Ann. She was around five six and about 140 pounds. And um, so Lil saw her as prime pickings. It's unknown what occurred during the first encounter, but it seems like they had a good time because they actually met up again in another bar in Overton, Florida. After having a good time, Little offered to take her home. She had a bunch of roommates. I mean, that's a deviation from the general MO. She lived between Brownsville and Liberty City. Once they got to the home where she was staying with all these people, um, one of them needed some shaving cream. So little being the upstanding individual he was, he was like, I'll go get you some shaving cream. You know, why not? So Sam and Marianne made their way to uh, to his gold Pontiac Le Mans. That's a slick ride, son. Gold. <laughs> gold. He drove north on Highway 27. Along the drive, he decided to pull over near a sugarcane field for a little bit of fun. During this, got into it, placed his neck, hands around her neck, snuffed her out, just like the previous lady. He was turned. I mean, the neck thing is what the the transgender person must have had a nice neck. Must have, you know. That has to be like the thing that attracted him to these ladies because it seems as though the way he kills these women, he does have a fetish and it realizes Well, on. it didn't he didn't say much about Linda. No. 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 But in my research, the only I guess deviation from the killing style 
was there was one that he drowned. But then again, I'm sure he was holding their neck underwater. So it was always strangulation. You know, look that got him hard. Thinking about it, man, what could draw somebody's fetish to be the neck? I think he had to see something when he was a child, like with his mom. Like maybe somebody strangling her. Now that is a kink for some people, you know, like help me a little bit. Here's a theory. Maybe he had somehow learned about autoerotic asphyxiation and tried it out on that first victim and then killed him and that turned him on even more. You know, he could have he could pick that up. Another likely place where he could have picked that up is the boys' school. You think so? Well, yeah, you, you hear stories all the time about teachers abusing kids. Like, what if he either was a part of that or witnessed something at the school, like some kind of mistreatment? Maybe. It's possible for sure. Especially if he was abused. That could have had a big lasting impact. You know, when I was researching this, I was just blindly researching, gathering information. I wasn't trying to figure out who the man was. Now that I'm reading it out loud, it's like he was like he was pretty fucked up, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, his what I can't get over is this: it was singular in the way he did it every time. Yeah, like there there was hardly ever any deviation. As you'll see, if you go through these victims, uh, like there's not really, you know, with a lot of serial killers, even with the Zodiac, there was a very specific MO that he was looking for. But you have, I mean, this guy's all over the place. Literally, the only consistency is how he's killing them, but his preference is completely changing. Every, you know, race, uh, I'm surprised he, Maybe maybe he does. Maybe I just haven't gotten into it yet. But he isn't like I'm, pinpoint eye color, hair color. Does he ever kill men? No, never kill a man. All that never, all. never. I mean, he may have, but he never confessed to a man yeah. killing a man. See that? I don't know. That's weird. Hmm. And that's the reason we're covering them. <laughs> There's because, another thing I'm going to point out later when we get closer to it yeah. that I observed, but go ahead. All right. So sometime after, so he took Marianne and he ended up driving her on down 27 and to the Everglades where he drug her body out about 200 yards into the swamp. Let her sink and she was never seen again. Later in 1971, he was charged with armed robbery and sodomy. Um, of the armed robbery charge, he was found innocent and was not even tried for the sodomy charge, by the way. Wow. This particular crime was very difficult to locate any details for me. Um, so let's pause there for a second just to, to talk about that. How do you catch an armed robbery charge and not be guilty? Exactly. Because... I wish I could find details on it. And again, you know, this is something that we're going to have to revisit in the future. 
um, once more information comes out, somebody's going to end up writing a book about this, you know? Well, it's, I mean, I looked for this specific case and it's whoever it is is going to have a hard time finding details on this court case, especially due to the time, you know, like the time that's passed so far until from his years of being active till he got caught time had already passed so long that a lot of the survivors and people that would have known about it would either be dead or forgot. I mean, so that's you 50, think about arm 50 some odd go ahead, years. Dave. That's 50 some odd years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just think about like armed robbery today. Nobody's catching an armed robbery charge that isn't like caught in the act of doing that. You know, like, you just rob the gas station and witnesses put you there yeah. or you, you know, rob a bank or rob a business. That's another thing. I couldn't even find out what the armed robbery was. I don't know if it was a store, a person. It seems to be a combination that maybe it was an armed robbery and a rape. Maybe there was a little charge. There was a little, let me see if I can find this. Um, Good luck finding anything, man. I didn't find shit. No, there was a little, <laughs> a little snippet of the court case. All it says, all it says is uh, that on or about the 28th day of May, 1971, at Detroit Road, Westlake, Ohio, at approximately 2.50 a.m., the defendant, Samuel McDowell, also known as Samuel Little, while armed with a dangerous weapon, a gun, unlawfully and by force, and then it cuts off, and that's the only part of the court document that we have. Wow. So we know the what we know the where, we just don't know the where was in the where. Well, that's you know, that's something that I've noticed about researching them too. Like all of it's a mystery, like a lot of serial killers will start confessing to things to get their way, kind of like uh, Henry Lee Lucas. But Henry Lee Lucas was confessing to all kinds of crazy shit, and it was to get perks, you know, for more than likely, because a lot of stuff was never confirmed. Samuel Lill, you would think, was doing the same thing because of the mystery surrounding charges he caught, like the lack of information and things of this nature, but everything ends up being pretty much proven true well his whole thing with the reason he started confessing was they guaranteed him not to get the death penalty mm -hmm. so in that instance even ted bundy went for that like that's the reason he did his last interviews like i was he was confessing to things they that they were trying to charge him with hoping that they would put him back into to the system and go back through trial and shit right so that's kind of like what samuel little did and, you know, with the lack of information and everything, he's almost as big of a mystery as the Zodiac, except we know the person. We know more about Zodiac's crimes than we know the person. Samuel Little, we know who the person was. We just know very little about the actual crimes. Yeah. It's Isn't that weird? Most, most of it's all it weird. from him. Most of it's from him, yeah. Like, it's hard to find court documents and things like this, at least on my research level. I'm not, I'm not a sleuth. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. Like, there's some things, like, when I think about serial killers that they put down, like, I, I personally believe that for someone who has that kind of magnitude of a rap sheet, like, yeah, they probably deserve to die, but it's more suffering for them, I believe, to be locked up forever. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, given the op- given the choice, would you rather be in a cell for the rest of your life or would you rather be dead? I mean, I, I know which way I'd go. <laughs> like, if it was to come down to a situation like that, I don't want to be a prisoner. You know, nobody really does. Especially with no glint, no chance of ever being released. That's your, that's life is a reality for the rest of your days. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, now the way that the prison prison systems work, it might not be so bad. You get three well, scares, you get most of them's on TikTok now. <laughs> they got phones, they play some Candy Crush all day. Yeah. Work I think it. it should be. <laughs> I think it should be life, no parole, and isolation. Yeah, for serious crimes like this, for sure. And um, anytime because that's can- like that's like the ultimate suffering, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But everybody's getting internet and TVs and all kinds of stuff now, and get their law degree while they're in school. While they're in prison, I mean, yeah, you get free college, man. I mean. <laughs> damn that's not sounding too bad really i may change my answer let's go that. knock off a bank let's do it hell worst case scenario we just go to prison <laughs> you know what's going to happen after i post this two fucking dumpy fucks are going to rob a pr- bank <laughs> they'll be coming for us they'll be coming for us <laughs> Somebody with an immaculate beard and somebody else with a gorgeous goatee. <laughs> but anyway, in 1972, after all this, and he was acquitted, not charged with anything from his armed robbery or sodomy, he found a woman who was 30 years his senior by the name of Aurelia. Aurelia. Or- how? What? Aurelia. Aurelia Jean, in quotation marks, Dorsey. Sorry, everybody called her Jane. As we progress through the life of Samuel Little, Jean's going to be in the background as she was with him throughout the 70s and most of the 80s. So everything we're going to be discussing from now until, you know, the late 80s, she was right there with him. She was the ride or die. Yeah, she was. Together, they moved through the Midwest and South, supporting their lifestyle by shoplifting, committing burglaries, then they would sell their stolen goods. <clears throat> so that's probably how, you know, he paid his fines if he would. I don't see him as a cat that would pay fines. No. No. Let's just go ahead and say that right now. I doubt he's ever paid a fine. Uh, during, his, during his time, Little had serious love for Gene, you know, because he kept her around. He probably seen her as a mother figure, I'd imagine. A mother figure with benefits, I'd imagine. Probably like a Norman Bates. Uh, yeah, kind of like a Norman Bates in a way. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, he did love her, you know. He kept her around, but you know, every now and then she would catch a beating. Um, catch a beating. <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, that's the way the world kind of worked back then in some situations in the seventies. You know, it wasn't unheard of. Um. 
and with this type of person, you know, and the vagrancy lifestyle you're living, I'm sure you got a beating or two. Um, during this time, he was arrested numerous times for petty theft, and but he spent very little time in custody. And that's going to be a trend, like we said a, a few times before. It's a trend. He hardly ever caught any time for hardly anything he did. See, that's also, uh, I know we keep saying it's weird, but what makes it even more weird is the the time in history this is. They, you know, you would think, especially with him being a black man, that that he would be treated, you know, even more unfairly. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, and it was in the South, you know, which, I mean, Florida... I don't know. I wasn't alive during that time. I know it was rare. I know that, you know, the type of mistreatment and everything they did toward black people was all over the South. Maybe just got lucky in their particular areas. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. But he was, but they were moving all out. They were going through, you know, everywhere in the Midwest and South and everything like that. So who knows? Yeah. If you look at the map of his killings, he really doesn't get much further North than, the bottom part of ohio yeah. yeah sometimes he made it to cleveland once or twice yeah all right so not much is known besides his pay crimes during this time period um it seems as though this may have been similar to a cool down period except for claims put forth from will himself who who said he claims he committed murders throughout the travels so this is all up until September 11th of 1976. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Thank you for watching episode two. Episode um, two. We'll be back. Tune in for episode three. Three. Episode three. Samuel Little. Uh, you can catch us on uh, Weird Awakenings every Friday live at 8 p.m. Eastern on everything at Weird Realities. Uh, and you can find Wearing the Folk um, on every platform you can watch video and every platform you can listen to podcast and be on the lookout for merchandise as we're attempting to push that out as soon as we can but uh thank you for watching us because we're watching you <laughs> <laughs>